This is the weekend edition of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Sean, our weekend show is all about the two of us each nominating what we think is the biggest story of the week, the most remarkable story, the sleeper story and our favourite story. Now, we don't have an adjudicator this week. Mm. What we're going to do instead is just trying to put together quite a comprehensive list. Actually, no, comprehensive makes it sound like we're going to be here for about three hours. We are going to keep this pretty tight, but I reckon we can cover most of the main stories of, of the week in that time. Yes. Let's see how we go. I, right. like the, I like the sparring. I like the verbal sparring with you. Oh, I, I have no intention of letting you kind of uh, win yeah, any, of these, any of these categories, but I just thought I'd kind of lull you into a false sense of security. Oh, yeah, this is going to be nice. It's going to be happy. We're going to be friendly. No, it's not. It is still competition. Good. Biggest story of the week. What was it for you? Well, for me, it's probably earnings season because it's better than we thought it might be. The all-important consumer is still spending, and that's great for the economy. Big companies are able to pass through price rises. Profit margins are okay. The big question remains around labour, finding the right people to do the jobs. In fact, labour is the big issue for business and the economy, as demonstrated by the unemployment rate for July, which came in at 3.4%, according to the Bureau of Statistics. Did you like the way I managed to get the earnings and the economics together, Michael? Oh, it, it, it's just typical Sean Aylmer, like just yeah, grouping exactly. a bunch of stories under one category. So well done. I applaud you. Some of my favourite earnings announcements, Toll Road Operator Transurban talking about how people travel at different times compared to pre-pandemic, BHP's massive dividend and emphasis on how the big Australian helps all Australians, very patriotic this last week, BHP, I must say, CSL benefiting from influenza because they have a vaccine for it, Domain saying housing fear of missing out is dissipating. Energy and gas giant Santos tripling its profit. Super Retail, which owns Rebel, BCF and Super Chief Auto, saying consumers are spending again. Plenty to like about the week. What about you, Michael? What was your biggest story of the week? Well, in a week with, with plenty of economics news and plenty of company news, I've gone for something completely different. I've gone for federal politics mm. because everybody this week was talking not about the new government, but about the old one, specifically the former Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, it emerged that during the pandemic, he'd sworn himself into five separate portfolios as a co-minister. And these are big portfolios as well, Treasury, Health, Home Affairs, Finance and Resources. The argument being that they were pretty much extraordinary times. And he was trying to make sure that, that if the relevant ministers got sick, the government and country could still function. Maybe. But the problem was four of those five ministers didn't actually know anything about it. And so Labor and the Greens have been jumping up and down, as you can imagine. But some of the most kind of damning criticism has really come from the former PM's own party, with one of those former ministers saying he should actually resign from Parliament. Everyone has weighed in on this this week, from John Howard through to constitutional law experts. The real issue kind of seems to be the lack of transparency around it. Admittedly, it is all in the past now. And it has certainly grabbed plenty of attention this week. And I don't think Scott Morrison has helped the issue to disappear by photoshopping himself into different pictures on social media, which is uh, 
try to make light of it, I suppose, but it does just mean the story lingers on and on and on and, and makes it the biggest story of the week. He's been doing the photoshopping, has he? He did one of them. Yes. Yeah. So the a bunch of businesses and things suddenly kind of did it on social media, photoshopping his face in to say that he had suddenly started working for them and no one knew that he was he was now part of the team. And then he uh, photoshopped himself, I think, into a band saying, I'm now oh. now part of the band. And so he's, and he was responding to a lot of them as well. So clearly kind of embracing it. Yeah, it makes light of something which many people think is a very, very serious issue. Indeed, indeed. And it certainly means that the story kind of isn't going anywhere. No. When, when really you, you would expect that the, the, the current government should be kind of focusing as well on, on governing at the moment, but all of the attention is now on what happened kind of two years ago. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, look, that's didn't we get very well? Maybe that is the biggest story because that got us going, didn't it? We, oh, it we, certainly <laughs> did. It certainly did. And so, all right, I'll take that one. The most remarkable story. Uh, you go first this time, Michael. All right, all right. Well, I love kind of talking about. I mean, you mentioned some big profits and things there, but I'm going to talk about super profits. This one is absolutely incredible. We learned early in the week about Saudi Aramco, which is the, the largest oil company in the world, posting a. <laughs> I just I laugh even before I say this figure because it's just ridiculous. A 48 billion US dollar three month profit. That is the biggest quarterly net profit ever posted by a company. Revenue was up 80% to $150 billion US dollars. It is just remarkable. Of course, uh, this is owned by the Saudi Arabian government. It's no surprise, really, that the company's doing so well. Oil prices have been soaring lately, and the, the company's chief executive does expect that that oil demand is going to continue to flow for the rest of the decade. But, Sean, to bring it down to a much more realistic level and one that, that kind of you and I can relate to, this week we have seen oil prices come back a bit, which means lower prices at the petrol bowser. And so it is it is quite a contrast, I know, going from a $48 billion US dollar profit to talking about saving 10 bucks on a tank of fuel. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna cram them both into the one story and uh, and hope I might get your support. Nicely done. Mm, That's you. good. I've learned from you. It is a remarkable story. So much money just in three months. However, I think mine's better. <laughs> I, lo- I just lo- I love your confidence. It's just, it is just fantastic and it just, just nothing affects you. Carry on. Japan is running a campaign to convince young adults to drink more. Come on. That is remarkable. This is the most, it should be the most ridiculous category this one is because these, these, but these stories are both just, crazy. Yes. Look, so the economic logic is quite sound. Japan gets about, or 10 years ago, it got about 3% of its tax revenue from alcohol consumption. It's now down to 2%. And that's because as the population ages, older people don't drink as much and therefore they're selling a lot less alcohol. They're trying to boost that tax take by running a competition called Sake Viva, which will encourage 20 to 39-year-olds to drink more. I'm sure it makes economic sense. I'm not so sure about social sense. Did you know that there's about 3 million deaths a year as a result of harmful use of alcohol? That's from illness to car accidents through to everything. I've never heard of any country encouraging people to drink. Can you imagine that the, the health officials in, in Japan oh, going, why? Why are, are we doing, doing this? Now, the Japanese are not big drinkers. According to the OECD, they rank about 38 of 49 countries in terms of alcohol consumption per capita. But still, 
just running a campaign to get people to drink more. And this is government-backed. I understand if the alcohol companies do it, but not when it's government-backed. Yeah. Quite remarkable. And now tell me, do you know who the biggest drinking country is? Um, Australia? No, we're only 20th, actually. Really? One spot ahead of Ireland, which I thought was quite interesting. Really? It's the Eastern European countries that are at the top. Latvia is the actual number one. But the top 10 is the majority of those are actually Eastern European countries. So there you go. There we go. Did not think Mm. I would learn something today, and I did. So I think for that reason, you do have the most remarkable story. That's incredible. Well done. All right. We'll be back in a moment with the sleeper story of the week. All right, Sean, we are looking for the sleeper story of the week. So maybe a story that, that kind of isn't getting the attention that it, that it probably should, or maybe a story that's going to become a bigger issue further down the track. What was the sleeper story for you? Now, I don't want to overstate it or anything, Michael. <laughs> that is not a good start, but carry on. I'm calling my sleeper story the moment which marks the beginning of the end of the work from home phenomenon. Oh, that is a big call. Mm, it, is, it is a bit cool. As I say it, I'm a little nervous, but I'm going to stick with it. When the world's biggest company tells staff to come back into the office, it really matters. This week, Apple told employees they must return to the office in September for at least three days a week. Chief Executive Tim Cook said it was needed to preserve the in-person collaboration that's so essential to Apple's culture. Hmm. Now, everyone needs to be in the office on a Tuesday. Everyone needs to be there on a Thursday and then one other day determined by managers. So now different tech companies are providing different guidelines. Atlassian and Meta, which is parent of Facebook, they're quite happy for people to stay at home. Alphabet, parent of Google, now requires corporate staff to be in the office three days a week. This is a really big thing. Companies will follow the lead of Apple because it really is the market leader. They'll still be hybrid working but people will increasingly be heading back into the office. I'm calling it this week, Michael, because of this sleeper story, this is the beginning of the end for the work from home phenomenon. Uh, Yeah, look, it is a big call, but the reason I like this story as well is because it's kind of cleared up one of these little issues I've had about hybrid working in that where where you have people saying companies justifying the need to have people coming back into the office because they need that in-person collaboration. But they say then we want you in the office for two to three days a week. But I like the fact that Apple is saying it must be Tuesday and Thursday because otherwise if you have kind of half the office coming in on Monday, Tuesday and Friday and then some on Wednesday and Thursday and every second Monday, you're not going to have that collaboration anyway because it's just chaos and people are kind of doing what they want. Are you arguing for my story here? Uh, I un- Unintentionally, <laughs> I think I might right. be. And so I'm setting myself up terribly. What is your sleeper story though? My, I reckon I've actually used this as my sleeper story maybe two or three times already. So <laughs> I've just kind of dusted off the old file and, and, and whipped it out again. But it's a new example this week and it's a good example An activist shareholder group, Market Forces, has made a formal complaint to ASIC about potential greenwashing by energy giant Santos. So obviously when we're talking about greenwashing, we're we're essentially referring to companies making misleading statements about their environmental efforts. Market Forces is alleging that the Santos chair and managing director made comments at the company's AGM back in May about plans to expand in WA, in PNG, and in Alaska. Plans that they say aren't actually compatible with international recommendations around net zero. 
we are going to see a lot more of this kind of thing. Obviously, not just from market forces, but from other investors, from activists and, and regulators as well, kind of holding companies to account. And it's not just energy companies either, even though that is probably kind of where we are going to see it happening earliest because it is something that, that that really affects them very directly. But it's anyone, even kind of fund managers, for example, making claims about green credentials. It's, Sean, not a particularly original sleeper story, but I think it's a good one. Yeah, I reckon we just let the crowd decide on that. What, the silent crowd there? Just the Silent crowd, Apple versus market forces. Oh, I mean, and that's why I said I shouldn't have let you go first because as soon as you did, I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't win this one. I don't even want to do mine <laughs> after yours because I love your story. So look at this, we're being way too friendly here. We are. We are. It's better with Adam here because it sort of just adds in a little bit of spite between you and I because he's a yep. very good referee, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very fair, very impartial. Mm. Now. I think you should go first on the favourite then, if that's the case. Yes, oh, absolutely. I wasn't going to give you the option to do so. I couldn't go past this one, Sean, and it's the one that we, we had a bit of a chat about through the week because it's a fun story. It is about the US biotech company that says that it can recreate a Tasmanian tiger and have it back in the wild in a decade, assuming that's what kind of we want, I suppose. The last known Tasmanian tiger died in a zoo in Hobart in 1936, but apparently we can all stand by for a comeback because Colossal Biosciences in Dallas. Don't you, firstly, don't you just love the name of the company, Colossal Biosciences? Oh, it is fantastic. It yeah. is. I, I know I always love companies that that kind of tell you what they do in their name. I love that. So we, we know that they do biosciences, but just that Colossal just adds a little bit of oomph to it. Big biosciences. Yeah, too right. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we're not bringing back little things like flies and insects. Well, the woolly mammoth is another one of their favourites, isn't it? Aren't they trying to... And that's the thing, that there are plans to bring back the woolly mammoth as well. For one thing, I I like the fact that we've got an Aussie university working with a private company, good kind of industry cooperation. But the thing I love most about this is the, the, the woolly mammoth element, kind of what's next. I suggest that we add the dodo to the list. I don't think the dodo has had a fair a fair crack at existence. Yeah, yeah, no, I like it. The one thing I don't want, can I just say, I know we talked about dinosaurs, I'm not going back into that, but the megalodon shark, ah. which is which actually was in the news again this week because they had done some modelling on it. A, um, a group had done some modelling on the extinct megalodon shark and found that it was a 50-foot shark capable of, of eating a whale in three bites. Oh, I'm going to say, you know what? We'll pass on the megalodon and just bring back the friendly dodo. That's right. So it's Colossal Biosciences and the University of Melbourne working together to create the Tasmanian tiger. That is a very good story. I'm not sure that I can compete with it, but I'm going to try. Go on. I think this is my favourite story because it's kind of got a sort of a Stepford Wives or Edward Scissorhands ring about it. Go on. So this is a bloke called Adam Newman. He created WeWork. And he did a great job at WeWork. At one time, it was valued about $47 billion, though it kind of went pear-shaped. He left the business in 2019. It's now worth about $4 billion. But he did recreate that office space idea. He's trying to do the same thing in rental apartments. Renting is a growth industry vis-a-vis home ownership around the world. So more people are renting than ever before, and they expect that will increase. He's gone, spent all this money buying up apartments, about 3,000 apartment units in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta, and Nashville. He's also trying to find other landlords to team up with, and he basically wants to brand a community. So what McDonald's have done to fast food, Starbucks has done to coffee, 
He wants to come and do it to communities. What a genius idea. I mean, I would never go for it myself. But don't you think that is very Stepford Wives or something like that? It actually makes a bit of sense in that you yeah. know what you're going to get. It takes a lot of the guesswork out of it and getting a bad landlord or anything like that. You just know that it is going to be of a certain... Yeah, and you'll have a you know, a swimming pool every 10 blocks or something or other, or you'll have water fountains or whatever it is within the community. I think it's genius. <laughs> Fast forward 50 years and the entire globe is filled with these and we look back on this <laughs> moment and go, oh, wish we hadn't said how good that idea was. Mm, yeah, look, you can still win on the Tasmanian Tiger though. Oh, it's a ripper, isn't it? The, uh, the Tassie Tiger. And look, I think overall, I wasn't keeping a tally. I'm sorry. I'm just going to assume that I won overall. So, yeah, no, yeah, that's right. Draw, good. So uh, your maths ain't real good at times, especially no, when you're only counting to four. No, well, I'm going to assume it was three one or, or two and a half to one and a half or something. Yeah, so we'll just we'll just say it was pretty close. The winner today was the news. We've covered all of That's the big right. stories that everyone needs to know in the world of business for the week. So I think we've pretty much done it. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Michael. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson. Have a great weekend. <laughs>